Test, test. We're in it. Connor, when I say yeah, you say yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little delay. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hopefully. Welcome. Hopefully this isn't your first time listening, but if it is, welcome. Welcome back or welcome to Triple Feature. My name is Emma. I'm Freddie. And I'm Seabear. And together we are three friends that like to talk about movies. And we started a podcast to talk about movies. And that's what we're doing. Um, we are going to talk today about our recently watched, what we've been watching lately, what we've been firing up on our TVs or going to the movie theaters to watch, what we're excited about watching in the future. And... Um, Later, we're going to get to Freddy's Spooky October pick. Spooky. Spooky. <laughs> anyway, um, Connor, Seabear, <laughs> get us started with uh, what you've been watching lately that you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, give so... us the rundown first. Yeah, give us the rundown and then <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll talk. We'll chat. So I went to the movie theaters to go see A Nightmare on Elm Street, the 1984 version, the original. Wow. Then I rewatched Mickey's House of Villains, a Disney film. It's a uh, straight to TV, straight to DVD uh, movie from Mickey's uh, House of Mouse. And then... uh, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Give that another rewatch since it's Spooky October. Uh, rewatch of Beetlejuice, and then also a rewatch of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tell us more about your A Nightmare on Elm Street theater experience because I'm a big theater person. I love going to the movies. What was that? <laughs> yeah, like? so so Tasha ended up buying me and her passes to the Hollywood Boulevard. A dine-in movie theater where they bring you food and drinks and stuff to your seats um so for the month of october each saturday they're showing a big uh, horror movie so last saturday we saw a nightmare on elm street the only difference is i will say the seats are uh office chairs (laughs) with with the table so you can eat your food and stuff but (laughs) it was still Uh, yeah but so the theater is actually really cool. Uh, the theater that we were in was the Charlie Chaplin room. It was just all Charlie Chaplin like posters and memorabilia. Oh, cool! And like, okay. I guess, yeah, I guess like each theater is like designed that way. And then even like the outside, they had like a bunch of movie props and stuff from like different movies and even like Chicago, like movies like the Booze Brothers, like the cars like above like the theater itself. Oh. So, nice. yeah, it was okay. just a cool experience. And, yeah, like, seeing A Nightmare on Elm Street in theaters in today's landscape was weird just because of, like, how much people would laugh at certain things that I don't think a lot of people in the 80s laughed at. Oh. <laughs> it just kind of goes to show, like, how, like, horror movies have evolved nowadays. And it was just sure. kind of like, oh, like, that's that's kind of interesting. Like people would laugh at this versus like, I wonder how people were probably terrified back in the eighties when that movie sure. dropped. Yeah. But Or like, it's okay to laugh in a horror movie. Like I think people have kind yeah. of changed yeah. that perspective. Was it like people laughing at 
like things that are now tropes that at the time this might have been like the first time they were doing it oh yeah yeah it was just like it, it was just like the mom being a super alcoholic and anytime she pulled out the vodka like everyone was just like oh my god <laughs> like okay <laughs> like this this lady's crazy but or it just like just sip just simple things like that or just like like how like the whole premise is that they need to stay awake so like anytime like uh heather Blamcamp like just brings out a cup of coffee like especially towards the end where she just brings out the second like mr coffee pot like under her bed <laughs> <laughs> like it was just, it was just like things like that they're just like really funny but yeah it was it was overall like a great theater experience i'm i'm glad to hopefully continue down it i know one of the movies that we're planning on seeing is silence of the lambs later down oh, the road cool. Ooh, so yes cool. that should be that should be cool. i have a question that'll be tasha's um, first time so freddie and i as a reminder live in detroit and connor you live in chicago i have a question do you have any alamo draft houses in chicago yeah yeah, no, oh, we do? we have one in Chicago. It's in Wrigleyville, so it's a, it's actually there? near the Music Box Theater, which is also a great movie theater I, uh, that that shows like films on yeah, uh, film I print follow, and stuff. I follow Music Box on Instagram. I'm always telling myself next time I go to Chicago, I want to go to the Music Box. However, um, have you ever been to the Alamo Draft House? No, I've not. I told Tasha like after we went to the Hollywood Boulevard, I'm like, I gotta go see like the Alamo Draft House. I gotta go find a movie to go there too, <laughs> just yeah, to compare the experience. House, I the Alamo Draft House is my favorite movie theater chain. They are very focused on like the movie experience. They do the, uh, you know, they do the food and drink, uh, service throughout the film as you're watching um and i have been wanting <laughs> a alamo draft house in detroit for the longest time so here i am uh speaking into the void that is podcast world <laughs> and asking and pleading and begging Summoning. for a alamo draft house close by uh we were supposed to get one in 2020 and then 2020 happened and Alamo did not. And Alamo said, nope. So I really am pleading, begging. I would love to they go would to an Alamo so draft house. Money. Just please. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think they just opened last year. I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, well. Uh, it's well, it's very maybe new. Maybe they'll branch out to, to Detroit. Just yeah. put one right here in town. Put just one right here downtown. There's <laughs> downtown, two, please. There's, there's, not, there's zero theaters Detroit here in town. Detroit has a big theater problem. I don't know if you know this, Connor, but like we have to drive to the suburbs to like see anything. Yeah. It is really terrible. Uh, I don't know why either because uh, it would it would be... It, it would be boom in business. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they never existed. There used to be theaters. There used to be theaters here. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, Detroit has a big theater problem. <laughs> I can't say and I have the same thing. Here in Naperville. No, I know. Here in Naperville, I have an AMC, a Regal, and a Cinemark, all in like a 10-minute radius. Well, but even in the Chicago <laughs> area, like even in the city limits, it is there are tons of movie yeah. theaters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Detroit has a big problem, and I'm putting y'all on blast on my podcast that nobody listens to, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we know you're listening. <laughs> Put the Alamo Draft House in there. Mike Duggan. That's the mayor of Detroit. Mike Duggan, you better put a freaking Alamo Draft House here, sir. And call him up. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So are, is there anything else from your watch list that you want to talk about a little bit? Yeah, uh, Beetlejuice. I, Ugh, I rewatched it. And I just can't get over the German expressionism that is like leaking out of that film. Yeah. That ends up really bleeding over into Batman 89 that Tim Burton also directed. Yeah. And it also like based on letterbox reviews and people that I follow, like film critics, like one person put it simply of just, it's crazy that Tim Burton made a Joker movie before <laughs> like exactly. Michael Keaton, like like Michael Keaton plays the Joker role in Beetlejuice, and, and just ends up playing Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's it's just That's so good. funny of just that is pretty of just how how that works. But that yeah, the Beetlejuice Beetlejuice is great. Just the whole you know, coming for your daughter, Chuck. Like yeah, like Michael every, Keaton's whole shtick. I'm coming for your daughter, Chuck. I'm and yeah, and then cat like shout out to Catherine O'Hara. Like Ugh. I love her. I love her in Home Alone. She is America's mom. Like, <laughs> did you watch Shit's Creek though? The what? Did you watch Shit's Creek? No, that, that's another oh, show I need to get gosh. into. Yeah, if you love Catherine O'Hara, you're gonna love Shit's Creek because okay. she she is amazing. She plays this character that i have never like she plays an archetype that i have never seen in any other (laughs) show she literally created like a whole person and the way she talks david and david no that's really like alexis but like she's like baby the way she talks is like this accent that's not american but also not british but also she's canadian and like it is amazing what she does. And then, uh, I mean, she she won an Emmy for it. So, I mean, she's, she's it's so good, Connor. Like, if you have not, if you love Catherine O'Hara, watch that <laughs> show. She is so amazing in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I was, fans. I was just getting at more of the fact that, like, she, she kind of gives the same Home Alone performance that she does in Beetlejuice. Like, like, she she's has, like, scream talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't let me gut this house and make it entirely my thing, I'm gonna scream. <laughs> just let me just have this room. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the principal from Ferris Bueller. Like he's yeah. also really good. Yeah. Like I think like the one thing that I always had about Beetlejuice was that I always thought the home improvement guy was Alec Baldwin because I only knew Alec yeah. Baldwin from like 30 Rock and like you know like old alec baldwin so i never knew that alec baldwin was the hot you know the hot guy in the movie he literally is so handsome <laughs> like, it was like oh like, that's alec baldwin i watched like, damn just rewatched it a couple of years ago i went to i didn't it wasn't technically a theater it was like an outdoor kind of like sit it was like pandemic vibes 
Like we, we had like headphones and we were sitting in like on a patio and we were just like uh, sitting in a chair and just like they were playing it on the wall of a building, basically. It was like very a, strange. Like a, like a silent disco, but it's a silent movie theater. Yeah, but essentially they, you know, they're in the middle of this neighborhood. It's a place called Film Lab, which doesn't even exist anymore. But Theater problem. I, we have a big theater problem. It's not actually that was Mission Transit, but still that doesn't exist anymore. Hang on, uh, don't don't disprove our point when we're trying to make it. And um, I was like, damn, Alec Baldwin is good looking. I had no idea yeah. how good looking he used to be. I forgot. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a good point. And yeah, Gina Davis, right? Oh, such Gina Davis is also yeah. Such a cute. Everyone knocks it out, but yeah, yeah. It was just it was just like rewatching it, just seeing like all of just like the weird like the weird stuff that everyone associates with Tim Burton. It's just like goes back to just like again like gothic like ex- like German expressionism, or just like the weird like angles and like all that kind of stuff and like art house like things yeah, like that. Yeah, a lot of it really and does it's just, look like a painting. <laughs> Yeah, the cabinet and it's, and it's of just, Dr. What is it, Dr. Caligari. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's just so it's just so cool and like how like he just brings that over to again like Batman 89 of just like mm-hmm. Gotham City as a whole and and how like that's how people view Gotham even till mm-hmm. this day. Yeah. But but with Beetlejuice it's just like that's their house that they're renovating and it's just like such a weird house to put like in like the countryside of like maine i guess or whatever they, they don't really explain like where they are but it's somewhere like out in the outskirts of new york <laughs> yeah. yeah it's iconic it's a great october yeah. halloween yearly watch it's just very funny the scene the, the dinner table scene Oh yeah, is <laughs> cracks me up every time. Uh, so yeah, we we love it. Love that show. Love that for you. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Nope, that's that's pretty much it. If you want to okay. know more about my thoughts about stuff that I said, just follow me on Letterboxd. It's uh, Big Papa Sea Bear. All right, we're big Letterbox people. Follow Big Papa. We Sea Bear. Yeah, we write reviews and. So anything anything you missed, you can catch on Letterboxd. All right, Freddie, what are some things you watched this past week that you want to share with us? Okay, so um, I really only, other than Blood Quantum, sure. which we will get to. Which we're going to get to. I, um, I was continuing down my Agnes Varda journey. We talked about Agnes everything. last week. So We already established that she is the woman. She yes. is the goat for sure <laughs> but so i just watched more of her movies so i watched um Les bon uh, forgive, me French, I, so. forgive me if i forgive me if i pronounce that incorrectly it means happiness Cute. um and then i watched lion's love and lies technically it's called lion's love when it originally came out but i think that I think they sort of they sort of like retroactively added the and lies at the end of it uh, later on. But specifically, going to talk about a little bit about Laban here, happiness. Oh. Um, because there is a lot 
going on in that movie and it definitely is like it's a movie that i i was thinking about it for a minute before i'm like i don't even know how i fully feel about this movie yet um so (laughs) it's called happiness and essentially it's a movie about a man in a very happy healthy marriage he has a wife he has uh he has kids like everything is all great and grand and splendor and all this and that and he and he decides you know what would make this happiness even better is if i added more happiness to it (laughs) and how am i gonna do that i'm gonna get a mistress and then I have two people oh, no. that I can be. It's like happiness on top of happiness. Yeah, sure. guy math. And so, yeah, he's just a. He's like <laughs> this. He's like this blissfully ignorant, like yeah. boy math asshole. Yeah. And is just. But his, the thing is, Agnes Varda uses like really vibrant, saturated colors through the whole movie. Like even the. Even the transitions, the fade transitions between scenes are, it doesn't fade to black, it doesn't fade to white, it fades to, like, colors. It'll be, like, bright red, bright yellow. So, like, the film Mm. is presented very happily. Wow. So, it's like you're looking at it through the perspective of this man very much, like, in... A similar vein to Midsummer, oh, where okay. it's like you're, it's like this is presented in like a very upbeat mm-hmm. sort of. It's kind of like misleading in a way. Exactly, yeah. Um, but it's like <laughs> it's it's so well done. Um, there is. this is this is where it's like it's it's almost like difficult for me to like even now still like formulate my thoughts on it but it is um i would say this is an example of agnes varda like really pushing her her like sort of like traditional what was that authorship yeah, that's sort of present in all of her movies. Yeah. This movie has well, a lot yeah. of very like very like flashy cinematography moments in mm. it. So there's a okay. lot of like uh interesting scenes. There's this dance scene that is it's essentially a montage that Oh, I pans, love a good dance scene. It pans back and forth um on either side of this tree that goes right up the middle of the frame and so when it gets to one side of the tree, it's like, you know, this man dancing with his wife and then it goes to the other side of the tree and it's like this man dancing with his mistress and it goes <laughs> back to the other side of the tree and it's the wife dancing with this other guy and then it pans back and it's like the mistress dancing with another person it's it is um it's there's a lot going on in it yeah um but it is it's fascinating there was a couple notes that i think i lost but um i was listening to a lot of 
like interviews with Agnes Varda and like uh like talks that she had given where she went over her work and she talks about presenting the way that she worded it in one of her talks was um she said I, w I didn't want this movie to be like purely a movie about adultery but I wanted it to be a question outside of the morals of society mm -hmm. which is like such an Agnes Varda way to like of word that yeah. but um it is it's interesting because it it leads up to I guess I'll just should I just spoil? No, like, I, don't I shouldn't spo I wouldn't spoil. Okay. anything. I won't spoil anything that I guess because no. that's. I'll 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 leave it at that. Yeah, it's you definitely... want to leave people wanting more. So yeah, you know the the point of this is to maybe get people interested in seeing it for themselves. And if yeah. you spoil it, I don't know if people would you know take yeah. the time to look for it. It's another fantastic Agnes Varda movie. I will say. It's a little bit. It's a little bit tougher if this was going to be like the first Agnes Varda movie that you watch mm -hmm. still very much enjoyable, but I do think some of her okay. earlier work is probably a better jumping off point. Cause then once you've sort of gotten familiar with her style of filmmaking, it really sort of like recontextualizes when you watch this movie knowing like, okay, this is Agnes Varda. Like this is her sure. style. Um, so yeah, I won't spoil anything, but okay. Very good. Awesome. I think we can count on Freddie to come to this podcast every week with like the most obscure <laughs> picks and watches that <laughs> nobody has seen. And Connor and I can't really add anything to the conversation. So, um, hey, I've seen, a, I've seen some criteria movies here and there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a wonderful addition to the podcast where, like, you know, Connor's going to talk about you know, horror films and I'm going to talk about new releases and Freddie's going to talk about French new wave. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about this movie from 50 years ago yeah. that nobody's seen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can count on that. Um, so I saw a few couple, a couple of new releases in the past week. I went to the movie theater as I do. I do that often. On Sunday, I saw The Royal Hotel. I'm going to talk about that a lot. Uh, then I watched Totally Killer on Amazon Prime, uh, which is a kind of just like a goofy uh, slasher flick. Goofy slasher. Time travel is also involved. Uh, there's a lot of references to like Scream and Back to the Future, and it's uh, stars Kieran and Shipka. But it was a it was a fine watch. Like it it's fun. Like put it on, you know, put it on and watch. Yeah, it I still need to see while it while you're like, uh, you know, folding clothes or like eating dinner or something. <laughs> like it's like yeah, a, I need to see a, that. Yeah, you you should see it. You would like it. Well, I like I, also, I like uh, I like Happy Death Day. And happy death day to you, and also freaky, which is like the same like Blumhouse thing yeah. where they take a like happy death day is Groundhog's Day, but a horror movie, and then freaky is Freaky Friday, but a horror movie. 
and it seems like yeah mm-hmm. total totally killer it's just back to the future but a horror movie and so i was right. like oh this exactly. is up my alley yeah it's fun um then i watched 2022 scream which is actually scream five and i that was a, that's my first time watching it i needed to catch up on the scream franchise because i haven't seen scream five or scream six which came out this year and i watched it <laughs> and i i know this about the scream franchise i know that it is like very self-aware and very meta and very ironic but i forgot and i was laughing so much <laughs> just the amount of movie references and the the meta commentary is so hilarious like i'm just for gonna, west I that mean, son of a bitch yes you beautiful <laughs> son of a bitch for west um no it, it was it was hilarious and uh i just had a, i just had a blast watching it i i, I was laughing at both the meta <laughs> commentary but also just the dialogue was just so stupid it's <laughs> so dumb <laughs> but it's like but it's like you know it's on purpose it's like you gotta yeah you gotta have to like it was like it. campy it's so campy yeah. and when Dewey says, like, maybe you're the killer, because that cut deep. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Dewey, Jenna the real I homie. freaking love her. Um, she has probably the funniest line, which is, like, she, she does something. I don't want to spoil it, but she just basically does a big thing. And then she's like, I still prefer the Babadook. <laughs> and <I just> <laughs> 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 oh my god oh my god i just i i live for stuff like this because i i like I, I just like to have a good time sometimes you know like not everything has to be so serious but like oh that was so fun <laughs> five five cream I can't wait as to the watch, fans um scream yeah. six next week that's on my watch list so yeah five cream as the fans call it is great <laughs> five, five cream five cream <laughs> yeah that's good that's good I'm clapping. Okay, so I want to spend some time talking about the Royal Hotel because it was fan freaking tastic. Talk about taking things seriously. This movie is very serious. It is a it is a very tense. I wouldn't even call it a thriller. I would call it a horror film. (laughs) Oh. I would call it horror (laughs) in 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 my perspective let me let me paint the picture for you because i have a feeling that a lot of people have no freaking clue what this movie is because it's a neon film it's being distributed very uh low budget very you know only in a couple of theaters it's not it's not it's not a lot of places but it is directed by kitty green who also directed 2019's the assistant I don't know if either one of you have seen The Assistant or heard about not. it, but it was one of the last films that I watched in theaters before the pandemic in 2020. And so let me let me kind of talk about that too cuz like I think those two these two films are perfect pairings for one another. They really bounce off of each other very well. The Assistant is basically about this 
um, woman who works for a entertainment executive who is basically like a Harvey Weinstein character who is blatantly taking advantage of women and abusing women in order to, you know, abuse his power and, you know, for them to like make it in the industry. And she just like kind of works in his office with other people who have kind of just accepted this culture and they kind of just deal with it. And most of them are guys. And so basically it's just this woman who is grappling with like, I have no power in this situation, but I can't just sit back and watch this happen. Okay. So very, very good film. Um, But then I watched The Royal Hotel. (laughs) The Royal Hotel is about these two women who are traveling and they're in Australia and they're, I think they're American. They tell everybody that they're Canadians because they say everybody loves Canadians and everybody hates (laughs) Americans. So they're trying not to say they're from America, but I think they're Americans. (laughs) And I um, thought that was hilarious. But anyway, they are basically kind of doing this thing, which is like travel working. So they're able to continue traveling by picking up odd jobs wherever they're traveling to make money while okay. they're abroad. So it kind of starts out with them on this like pleasure yacht with like a like a big basically a party boat mm-hmm. in Sydney and one of them like runs out of money so they have to go find a job. Yeah. And the job that they find last minute is in a rural mining town which is dominated by male minor workers Mm -hmm. and the job that they are tasked with is basically bartending at this at the only the only establishment (laughs) in town like the only establishment yeah so connor you're picking up on what i'm putting down um (laughs) what makes this a horror film is just the feeling of being powerless yeah and it sounds like completely outnumbered (laughs) yeah it sounds like it doesn't even it sounds like it doesn't even need to be in a you know in australia it could just be middle of america it could be (laughs) it could be anywhere yeah it could be absolutely anywhere in a patriarchy yeah you could say it's absolutely everywhere yeah exactly (laughs) True. Um, <laughs> any, you could you could put this movie anywhere, but um, you know I think Kitty Green is Australian, and uh, it is so intense. And I'm seeing I don't want to like spoil anything, but I'm seeing a lot of people on Letterboxd, mainly male people <laughs> on Letterboxd, who keep saying the same thing, which is. Nothing happens. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you just missed the whole thing. And that's fine. Um, and I will. I would just like to tell everybody now that um, that is not true. A lot happens in this film. Um, and I had a great theater experience because I was the absolute only person in the movie theater. Oh, yes. And oh, so love it. And so it was wonderful. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of got that feeling of like, oh, I don't have to share this space with other people. I clapped. 
Yeah. I was clapping at one point because of some of the things that were happening and um, other, you know, there are other events that take place where I wasn't clapping, but yeah, I just really adored this movie because of how it made me feel and the way that it was, the way that the tension was built up. It was very masterfully done. It stars Julia Gardner, who's also in The Assistant. And if you watched Ozark, she plays, oh, I forgot her name in the in the show, but she's wonderful in Ozark. And um, she just does a great job kind of just playing a lot of emotions without saying a whole lot of things. So uh, I, I, I highly suggest that everybody watch The Royal Hotel because I think it's great. I think it's a sleeper for top movies of the year. I would... I'm I'm going to have to go see it because it sounds it sounds very interesting and I do I appreciate a good tension building movie. Yeah. Um especially given the subject matter. Yeah. It's just it sound it's like it sounds like one of those movies where it's like the entire time you're watching it you're just like wildly uncomfortable mm-hmm. but also like I cannot look away from this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was so, very interested once when uh, David Sims from The Atlantic wrote his review. He was he's he said on Letterbox, "I understand all the slang in this because I watch so much Bluey." Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I saw that review. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, based based on your pitch, I'm like I'm more interested in in this film, and so I have yeah. to have to keep an eye out for that. For real, and honestly, like I want people to go see this in the movie theater. I really do. But it's distributed by Neon, and all of their movies go on to Hulu eventually. So it'll probably be on Hulu yeah. in, like, January. Yeah. But, you know, I, I still just, I'm a champion for the movie theaters. So I'm movie like, champ. get your butt in there. So Butts in, in seats. Butts in the seats, please. Okay. Sure. Um, that's it for our recently watched discussion. We're going to move on now to talk about Freddy's Spooky October pick, spooky. which is Blood Quantum Blood. from 2019. Um, Freddy, give us like a synopsis about what this movie is about without giving it away. Well, no, because we are going to give it away. Yeah. So we are going to spoil Hopefully, the, I mean, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about this movie in depth. So obviously, yeah. if, you're, if, you, if you have not watched it yet and you care about spoilers watch watch the movie before you watch the rest of this episode and if you want to um, listen to this episode and watch it later just know it's going to be split and or you know you can skip to you know the end to hear next week's pick or whatever um we'll, we'll have time stamps that you can look at yeah uh, later so we are going to talk about every aspect of this film from beginning to end so give us a synopsis all right, so um, it takes place. So the premise is that there is a zombie outbreak on the Red Crow Mi'kmaq Reservation in 1981 in Canada. And essentially, all of the indigenous population is immune to this zombie outbreak so it is just white people that are zombies (laughs) um 
And so over the course of the movie, we see the like initial outbreak of the zombie apocalypse. And then we see, you know, we skip forward a little bit and we see this encampment that the Red Crow have been able to build to protect themselves from this. And then over the course of the movie, we see that we see this sort of unravel. I don't know how much we want to go into details right off the bat of like what exactly happens. So um, yeah, but baseline natives are immune. Everybody else is not. Uh, My favorite way to keep track of this is if they're red, they're dead. If they're white, they, they bite. bite. Yep, and which is spray painted on the outside <laughs> of the encampment entrance, which is it's so good. I had to pause the yeah. movie mm-hmm. when she closed the door because I was like, "What does that say?" And I was like, "Oh, too good, too yep. good. Love that." <laughs> yep. Um. Okay, so I guess um I'll just start right off at right off the bat. Um. So if the first thing that we get is. Kisugu, the <laughs> father of Trailer, our main our main character, one of them, and he is he's pulling his nets out of the water in the morning. He guts his fish, and after he guts his fish, they come back to life and they start flopping around. Dude, um, so cool. Yeah, <laughs> which is what I thought was very interesting is they're. It seems like it's like pretty heavily alluding to like poison water supplies. Well, uh, yeah, I, I wrote down pollution, yeah, contamination, like poisoned water supplies for sure. What's also wow. interesting is with the time period that this takes place in, it puts it like 10 years removed from like a very massive uh, water poisoning of a reservation in canada Mm. there was like from like it was there's like i want to say it was from like 1940 to 1970 or something like that it's it's not in the exact same part of canada but in like the general south eastern side there was a um reservation that was poisoned for decades there was mercury that was being poured into their water by um local industrial like capitalism yeah there was companies that were just pouring mercury into the water and so it devastated this community so like this being put in the 80s puts it like 10 years removed from that which i think is also just like a little interesting note to go in this yeah (laughs) that that Um, is pretty interesting of just like hearing hearing that and like your your thoughts because i mean like i wrote like the zombie the zombie fish is just an interesting twist about the zombie metaphor of like i'd never really seen a movie do the animals come back yeah to well i it do normally... want to talk about the animals yeah yeah because... well i mean like they they talk about it more but like it was just an interesting like right off the bat of like oh like the animals can get infected because like i yeah like, right. i've seen exactly. a lot of zombie stuff and it was like oh damn like if the animals get infected like what does that mean and then yeah they explain it more yeah um, so they but it the is a very interesting way so i yeah. i kind of just have questions about this because the next animal that we see is trailer's ex-wife's dog yeah um really sick 
he shoots her and then she comes back to life later but Mm -hmm. um later on they're asking people who are coming into the encampment have you had any dog or fish yeah and then they say something very specific moose and deer are clean yeah so what's the deal Um, why are dog and fish unsafe but moose and deer are safe are clean that's the i don't i i struggled to find the connection and honestly i don't have like a perfectly concrete yeah answer um to me for you on that one but what do you think yeah to to me based on just like watching a lot of zombie movies i think like they kind of wrote themselves in a corner and i think they were just kind of like oh yeah like 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 the fact that dogs and fish can come back to life that they're like oh well because like if every animal can come back to life then Then the food supply (laughs) is gone so when they do the time jump to six months later everyone should be dead at that point because everyone would have ate like every 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 normal stuff if there is any connection to this there's the there's really not an explanation as to why these indigenous people are immune either so what if there's a connection to dogs and fish are equivalent to white people and moose and deer are equivalent to indigenous people yeah yeah and i mean there's there are there's probably aspects of like Mi'kmaq uh culture that i'm not aware of um with in regards to significant significance of moose and deer specifically Mm -hmm. now i know like with you know my own culture like moose and deer have significance but um it's i don't know there's a lot of different there's a lot of different elements that it could be looked at through um if it's like some of these animals are also like traditionally mm-hmm. animals that you would see like a shapeshifter turn into oh. um it could be something like that it could also just be significance of like various clans um wow. okay. that would be something that would definitely be worth an even deeper dive into wow. um i don't want to put yeah, I don't want to put too much out there. That's like me speaking on, you know, purely behalf of because it's like, it's like very specifically like this is a Mi'kmaq reservation. So I don't want to speak too much on exactly like that like the Mi'kmaq culture specifically. So okay, well, I mean, I just think it's a cool yeah. little detail. One hundred percent. I was curious about yeah because it is it is like they there isn't necessarily a reason for them to say specifically moose and deer there isn't they don't have to say yeah that. so say there is definitely something there that can be delved I did, deeper into Very i did write down that like it would be an interesting movie of like i, I was like that's an interesting twist to like have like the animals get infected because again like if that did happen in the real world and stuff like i said like how would we survive because based on normal zombie apocalypse you know movies and shows and stuff is like you know we have to go back to our basic instincts of hunting but if the animals are off the the table then it's like how do we eat to survive and i'm like that is an interesting <laughs> thought to add to a movie but yeah. like like i said like they just kind of write that off of like oh no not all the animals are there and i'm like yeah. oh my like, 
it's an interesting thought, but then they just kind of like, no, that's not kind of what the movie's about at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I will say there is a lot of stuff in, there is a lot of stuff in this movie that does have like, it has subtext that isn't like blatantly pointed out. Yeah. And Um, I, and I'm sure there's subtext that people are going to just walk right over. Yeah. Because Um, a a lot of people don't know. Yeah, like for example, um, when they're still in the introductory part of this, mm-hmm. and they pick up, uh, they pick up Lysol. <laughs> what a name for a person! Yeah, Lysol. So, well, when they're talking about Lysol's mom, mm-hmm. um, they don't go like Lysol's mom is brought up multiple times throughout the movie, and. At no point is it ever fully discussed what has happened to her. Mm-hmm. They just constantly say that, like, every, like the whole reservation knows what happened to his mom, which is... Oh, okay. I'm yeah. picking up on something here. So, like, there's these... It's like, if you know, yeah. these are, like... I did not know. This is, like, though. missing and murdered indigenous women. Yeah. Like, here, it's, like, it, it's, not, it's not, like, blatantly pointed out to the, to the audience. However... Like these are yeah. these are conversations that just happen, yeah, on reservations everywhere. It's just like yeah, we don't know what happened to her. Yeah, she's just gone. Yeah, or everybody does know what happened to her, but it's a painful enough memory that nobody really wants to talk about it. Jesus, there's a Damn. lot of there's a lot of heaviness in this movie. Yeah, and you know. I don't want to give away my like rating right now, but in my review, I wrote something to the to the effect of like, you know, it's a zombie movie. I'd mm-hmm. like for a little bit more lightness, just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> you know, just a little bit of comic relief, but at the same time, it's like, well, this is also. A story about indigenous people written and directed by an indigenous person and the entire casting is, is indigenous and it's like you get one shot to like say something important and it's like yeah you know it's okay to like be super serious sometimes too <laughs> yeah and i mean there are there are moments that are definitely meant to be played for laughs uh like taking a taking a shit on the, oh, on yeah. the windshield yeah, of this, yeah, this old one. white woman's yeah. car. <laughs> or, Everything or the, sounds like a good idea when you're drunk. <laughs> yeah. Or the zombie that gets cut in half and he's like, fucking warm me next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was good. Oh, Honestly, dude, I laughed I so like hard at dynamic, that. It was so funny. <laughs> I think the dynamic of the elders was so awesome. Oh, God, like the trailer so and Gisugu. Is that how you pronounce his Gisugu? name? Gisugu, yeah. Gisugu. And the chainsaw Zed's guy dead. and the axe guy. I don't remember <laughs> their names, but like those four like older yeah. elder gentlemen. The way like their banter with each other yeah. and like their dynamic with each other. It was so fun. Yeah. Um, because they're just like in very dire situations. And you have the axe guy and the chainsaw guy and the samurai guy and the gun guy. And yeah. they're like doing something that is very risky that could in their lives but they're just like 
It's just a Tuesday for them. Yeah. I like, no, it, here it is. By the way, I'm going to use this opportunity to have a little um, chat. Um, we're going to pick our fighter. We're going to pick our fighter? Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Out of the four guys. Okay. Who's your guy? It's Kisugu. What do you mean? <laughs> I was going to say Kisugu. Of course. He kills like 10 zombies <laughs> with a no, sword. he kills literally nah. hundreds of zombies Mine's with a Okay, chainsaw so Thomas, guy. Chainsaw guy. All right. But Gisugu is literally my guy. This man's goaded. He is. He is. He is goaded. But is chainsaw, chainsaw guy is just like he. He's the homie. Like yeah. When he, he when he got he the sword the in him, I yeah. was like, I almost shed a tear. I was like, no. <laughs> I screamed yeah. out, no, because yeah. it's just like no, like this dude's just the homie. Yeah. yeah. And he saved the day several times. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. But at, for the longest time, basically probably since I started watching The Walking Dead, I have wanted a samurai sword. Yeah. So, so, Ugh. so bad. Like, that is my weapon of choice. The samurai sword. Like, that is my, that is the best weapon, in my opinion. Um, so. That crossbow? No, it's not a cross. Not Daryl. Samurai sword. No, Michonne is my favorite. No, you don't I don't. Get into Walking Dead, but Michonne is my favorite. She's a complete badass with that samurai sword. Yeah. I yeah. don't want anything else. I don't. Need she was my favorite. Else. If you're in a zombie apocalypse and you have a samurai kind of sword, you are going to be, to be the most. Yeah. You're going to be the most like badass person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Shit, this guy got a samurai sword. All exactly. right. Like, I want that. This is business. I want it's that. It's business time. He just, time. like, cuts up Moon's face real quick. Yeah. Just boom. Yeah. <sighs> All right. He's like, hey, Victor. Okay, so. Bet you didn't hear about your day. Kasugu wins. He's my hero. Okay. What else I you still, got for I still today? champion Chainsaw Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, still homie. Okay. okay, so we've got... We've got the fish. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Joseph and Lysol get picked up from jail because Joseph <laughs> Joseph got drunk and took a shit off a bridge onto an old and white Lysol woman's car and fell. Sucks. Yeah, Lysol is Lysol is such an interesting character, though. Yeah, like he has he had Lysol has some of the most poignant lines in this entire true. movie. True, true, true. Um. But he is like he is vindictive. Uh-huh. Um. So I literally but, wrote down like at one point I was like Lysol needs to chill out. Yeah. I was like, you're right, but calm down. Yeah. And then later on, I was just like, this motherfucker is just <laughs> like he's just bad news. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, I guess. Do we want to just do we want to just kind of go through the movie period like periodically, or do we kind of just want to talk about like let's our just talk our about highlights? Like, um, like yeah, highlights. Okay, let's. Ju- I guess we'll just assume that you've you've watched this. So if we talk about certain scenes, you if you've seen it, you'll know you'll know what scenes we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I would say the first big scene we had already started talking about it is the, it's not the first big scene, but the first scene that has like a lot of poignant lines back to back to back is that scene where they're at the entrance oh. of the encampment yeah. and 
and it's Lysol interrogating these people that Joseph and um, what's the Charlie uh, bring. <laughs> and I got I was so frustrated with this. Yeah. So it was so frustrating. So first, obviously, Lysol like immediately off the bat is like, what the hell is this? Um, and of course it's like this, this white man is bringing his diseased, his diseased daughter wrapped in blankets, ironically enough. (laughs) Um, and so you've got Lysol immediately interrogating them. And so the first thing off the bat is like, they're like, she's sick. They put the pallet down, they put her on there and they have the gun pointed at her and when he when the when the man's like setting his daughter down he says he's like what's like he's like why why are you doing this like i haven't done anything wrong and then Lysol looks him dead in the eye and says you're bringing your sick here what's right about it yeah literally um, and like he's right like i literally wrote down the audacity of these white people yeah. to one bring your bitten daughter to the gates of this sanctuary to kill yourself <laughs> while you're inside. Yep. And three, just walk in and lie to these people about being bitten. Mm-hmm. Now, well, he admits there to, are some. No, he admits the, to that. The, the girl, it's Lilith. The Lilith, girl. Lilith blatantly lies as well. Lilith goes in and they yeah. think she's healthy and. They're like, are you bitten? She lies to her face. Yeah. Lies to Joss's face and says that she's not. Well, she lies. And, then, and the, so it's just like, um, I'm, I'm like, why? I was referring to the, to yeah. the guy. Like, why? Yeah. So, but I don't know. I don't know if he knew. You know, I don't know if he knew that she was bit. The dad? Well, the no, dad. I was. He did. He says it. He says, um, he said, he, because he thinks no, I'm talking that. talking about Lilith. Did, did the man who killed himself in the bathroom know that lilith was also bit oh um because i don't think he did well i don't here's my take i don't think he was with her the guy that killed himself killed himself because that was his daughter that they that they were going for i don't think he knew lilith i think and they do they do say that the dad and the daughter were stragglers when they first walk up i'm just yeah and then and then also he he did admit when the uh Lysol was like interrogating him he's like i i i admit i should have told you that she was bit when the one the one pregnant girl like picked him up so like he was like i should have maybe said that but he only kept that because of the fact of like apparently there's like a cure but he didn't realize that the cure is just indigenous indigenous. people can't get can't get you know sick you can't yeah (laughs) yeah which is the title of the movie blood quantum that's the amount of native indigenous blood that you have in order to be considered indigenous. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's so we will, we'll, let's put a pin in that I just and we'll to come say, back to that because this, that is also like a very important subplot to the movie. Yeah. And so. Um, because of, okay. But we'll, yes, we'll blood quantum, it. blood quantum I, is a measurement of quote-unquote indian blood yeah in you yeah um i just wanted to point out how frustrated i was like, at, like 
you're you're bringing you're coming to the sanctuary to bring your daughter who's already dead like what do you okay yeah, yeah he thinks there's a cure but once you know there's not a cure you're already on the outside once you know your daughter is dead why would you kill yourself inside of the sanctuary like if hey, you man. can't if you can't continue your life without your daughter and you blame yourself for her death whatever it is leave man leave yeah. like these people are selfish yeah hey, 100% hey, but like talk about talk about another funny scene when, when the guy comes in he's like he couldn't just shoot himself like a normal person just shoot himself like a normal person yeah he's like talking to the trailer and he's like you got this yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then he gets bit but hey why why people do stupid shirt. shit <laughs> trailer takes off his shirt because he got bit again. Yeah. And I, I, I was thinking, I was just them. like, because I was like, you know, time had passed and we haven't seen a lot. And I was just like, he's going to have so many bites. Yeah. And then he took off his shirt and it was just all the way down his back, which is a bunch of bites. Yeah. Which also, I just, I, I really do like that scene because it like perfectly without them having to, without them having to say anything, it just shows how difficult it has been to make what they currently have. Mm-hmm. like you just see it like they've had to go through so much he's been bitten like dozens yeah. of times so you don't just have to make to this that. encampment that so you don't have. have to show that because you're yeah. showing that by just showing his back exactly yeah which is pretty cool that and it, like them being immune really works of just yeah. like because because like they show like oh like because even when lysol is you know interrogating these white people and the white the the white guy like says like look like they're immune and it shows like his hand like it just shows like the one bite mark on his hand and the fact that they show like multiple marks on his back is like oh shit like yeah like these people are really immune it isn't just like a one and done like it isn't like the last of us of like ellie being like oh like i got one one i got bit once and apparently i'm immune so i'm the cure type of thing yeah yeah Uh, another thing that just frustrated the crap out of me was they're talking about the daughter and they're speaking in their native language and he like yells at them to, to speak, speak English. English. And I was like, no, yeah, like, no, where, who do you think you are? Anyway, it's the caucasity, the caucasity yeah. of these people. Anyway, it takes I, him, I know it takes him three sentences. I know it's very much on purpose yeah. and it's very much, you know, from an indigenous perspective a, a lot of frustration with white people, but I was just like, God, I'm like, this yeah. is so, uh, anyway. Uh, well, it is so funny that, too, how he yells at them, but it's like, yeah. he, he knows, like, I'm pretty sure he knows what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. it's like, what, it's like one of those things I'm like, <laughs> you have to be a rational person to be like, you obviously know that they're talking about like they're gonna kill your daughter like right. like you don't have to yell yeah. like speak english to, in order to know like hey we're gonna kill your daughter because you're the fucking fuck up that decided <laughs> that like hey yeah hey i'm gonna bring your sick here you know like, yeah. like so like yeah it's just kind of funny if like the dude's just like speak english and it's like bruh like you know what they're oh. talking like you know yeah. they're talking shit about you like come on you know you know that it's like you know there's a reason that they're not yeah they're not exactly. saying something in a way that you're gonna understand it just outright come on yeah um <laughs> but so going off of this scene though so they they establish that they have this encampment which is um a reservation 
Yeah, I mean, it is, it is. It is literally. It is a. It is a reservation. Yeah. Like, this they've been forced, been forced. They have been forced into this encampment by this ravenous group of sick white people, <laughs> and they they can't leave. What? Because uh, if they leave, it's dangerous. Uh-huh. And they have to try to keep these white people out at the same time. So it, like, takes this idea of a reservation and, like, that, like, just the idea. Because, like, every single zombie movie has their home base, Mm -hmm. their encampment. But when you put it in the perspective of this movie, it just inherently gets this metaphor, like, placed upon it with them having to say or do very little different than like a lot of other zombie movies yeah um it's just like just contextually it, it that gets put on there i love that um so that was like the i remember the first time i watched the when the first time i watched it i'm like this i'm mm. like this is gonna be so good this is gonna be so good <laughs> um i love that so you you're you're playing off of that um then we we see we start to get like we've established earlier on like the really strenuous relationship between Lysol and Trailer mm-hmm. because after Lysol's mother dies slash goes missing Mm -hmm. um trailer puts him into foster care Mm. and foster care foster care in general has a lot of issues foster care within indigenous communities is also has like an entire other set of issues like there is a reason why the indian child welfare act exists in the first place and it is like directly related to foster care within indigenous communities because of how many times indigenous kids are taken and they're like removed from their culture Mm -hmm. or they're they're given to families that either don't (laughs) recognize don't recognize their cultural background or have blatant disdain for their cultural background and then abuse these children because of that um Mm -hmm. so like that plays a very large and like they don't get too much into it's this it's the same thing with his mom they don't have to say a whole lot to say a whole lot. All they have to say is he went into foster care, Alan, and he came out Lysol. Wow. Like, wow. and you, you get, you get a lot like unspoken and just like one line of dialogue here. Mm. Um, yeah. I, and so there's a lot of trauma. Yeah. And we see that played out in Lysol's actions. Yeah. Pretty much throughout the entire film, like he's he almost has like no redemptive qualities. Yeah. Um, and that's just tragic because. And what's unfortunate is the way that. Like trailer sort of just like burdens his own like guilt and shame over that. Yeah. And like never really reconnects with him. Yeah. Like he just not a son at all. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like he is, he is his son and they are linked and they have this like 
trauma directly tied between the two of them and that's why like my like my one of my favorite things in the movie is the way that they visually link their death scenes like trailer trailer and lysol have visual like visual match death scenes they do they both get like above straight looking down on top of them as they are literally consumed yeah um yeah, they get the traditional zombie zombie. The death traditional scene. zombie death. Yeah. No, that's a that's a really nice parallel that I didn't even catch on this watch. But yeah, they're both on their backs and they're both kind of trapped yeah. and uh so there is that connection. And I don't think trailer who is the protagonist, by the way, Michael Gray Eyes is such a snack. Michael Gray Eyes. Yes, we so love Michael handsome. Gray Eyes. What a man. <sighs> okay, I just had to get that out. I was just like, damn, he looks <laughs> good and he's like getting up there you know Mm -hmm. but he still is very handsome but like he never like minces words about how he feels about himself like he's very he has a lot of like disdain for himself as well and how he's lived and how he's failed and how he's um and so i think like his death is tragic but also very poetic because like he gets to kind of redeem himself a little bit yeah in the eyes of like his at least his second son and his yeah. ex-wife and his and then oh, he's like tell big stories about tell about th- me yeah and i'm just like geez that's he really says, good tell my grand tell my grandchild yeah like, that was yeah. that was the yeah. thing that was the yeah. thing that that got me of just like damn yeah. like he's like like that that's got to be big pressure on the the what's her name that's pregnant of like well damn now i gotta deliver this child yeah i have to live yeah exactly or else he's died for nothing like like shit all right um even and like even with that um him like never fully forgiving himself that the scene when they after they leave the jail at the beginning of the movie and he tells Lysol that Joseph deserves better. And Lysol says, yeah. better than what? And better he says, better than either one of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He knows that he's a crap father. He knows it. But, you know, he gets to kind of. Yeah. But like, he, never, he just... like, never forgives himself for that. And that prevents him from getting any sort of established relationship with, with Lysol. Lysol. Yeah. And, and maybe if there was an establishment. Or, you know, maybe if the world didn't suck and Lysol still had a mom, you know, Lysol wouldn't be Lysol. He would probably still be Alan. He'd be Alan. Yeah. Well, he also <gasps> he also admits it with, uh, what's the other one's name that's not Lysol? The other brother? Joseph. 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 Like, he even admits it with Joseph of just the fact of, like, when he's talking to the, the ex-wife of like oh like he has your qualities and he's and she's like well he has he has yours and he's like what shitting off bridges <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. like he kind of he, he kind of admits that like yeah like i'm i'm a shit dad <laughs> you know yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i i like i like protagonists like that who are like really complicated and have a lot of flaws mm-hmm. uh, it makes them a lot more interesting what else you got for us? Um, the, oh, sm- small note, uh, Lysol paraphrases Raging It's the Machine lyrics, which I'm a fan of when he says, of uh, when he says they haven't, these people haven't seen a brown person since their grandparents owned one, <laughs> yeah. which is 
Him paraphrasing down that. Rodeo. <laughs> Goodness. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I thought that was I a good, was a good line. The, I do love the not so subtle mm-hmm. stabs at just white people. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> and then the quite literal stabs of Quite zombies. literal stabs and bullets. Oh. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> essentially... I guess we'll get, we can get a little more into the like final acts. Was there was there anything from like the first two acts of the movie that you all had anything you wanted to? I just wanted to shout talk out about oh. very cool animated title cards. Oh yes, from the beginning, like you going into the chapters and the acts. Like there's this transition cool. that is like animated. Mm-hmm. And it, like is very meaningful. Like in the first one, we see like a plantation, like that's like has a lot of black smoke. Not a plantation. What am I saying? Uh, like a like a nuclear plant or yeah. something. Um, and then in the forefront, there's like this like woman who's like in grass. Um, and she's pregnant. And she's pregnant, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful, but it's also just it's saying so much and it's just on the screen for like maybe three seconds and like you really gotta like you know there's there's messages in there like where did this disease come from Mm -hmm. and why do you think people that are native to this land are immune from (sighs) anyway i don't yeah i i think we've kind of like the world's so sick of our shit so that's literally (laughs) probably my favorite line from the whole thing and it's from moon who's a very interesting character and I love the actor because he's also in Reservation Dogs and he plays like basically a pothead and he's awesome. But um, Oh, Gary uh Gary Farmer? Gary Farmer. Yeah, Gary really Farmer's like... a legend. Gary Farmer is in like damn near so every funny. indigenous film and TV show. Like he is a legend. Yeah, he <laughs> he's plays, Victor's dad. He plays um Hey Victor. Billy, um, <laughs> I heard about Jack's your dad. dad. Yeah, reservation dogs, yeah. and he's so funny. But anyway, he's also he's, he's also the main. He's in Powell Highway. Okay, I yeah. I like this guy, but yeah, he um definitely has the best line, uh, which is what you just said. Which yeah, is, this this world's just so sick of our shit. I also in that same um part where he says. When he's maybe, like maybe thinking, yeah, maybe us. the world just forgot about us, which is Ugh. like almost literally a sentiment that my grandfather has that has like said to me at one point, just talking about Ugh. like history in general and what people learn. He's like, they, they just, they he's like, you just, they just don't learn anything about us. We're, we're invisible. Yes. Like, oh, it's crazy. Oh my God. It makes me want yeah. to scream sometimes. American education system. Literally. I mean, we we learn like, oh, they were here <laughs> and yeah. then they were moved. And, yeah, and that's then, like pretty much all we move all we learn. We don't learn about the genocide. No. We don't learn about the treaties that we broke. <laughs> we don't learn about anything. There's a lot of stuff is, we don't learn. It's crazy. You said Andrew Jackson well, made them we, walk. We, yeah, we learned about the Trail of Tears, and that's about it. Yeah. Like that's well, it's not even just, just it's not even just that. Like, like to even go to like like something like HBO's Watchmen of like there's so many oh white white people specifically that learned about the Tulsa massacre. Yes, with black people. I agree. 
Yeah. Of, of just, like, of just like, oh, like that actually happened in America. And it's like, yeah, like who knew like a, like a fake superhero show could teach people like about real American history. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it's just crazy that like, there's so many, there's so many things like that, that don't get taught because, in schools or just yeah. in general. Cause it just kind of gets brushed aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can't, you know, it's nice to like, be exposed to those things but we can't rely on them to teach like the general public about the truth (laughs) yeah um it's really sad um this film does a great job of like just but the only yeah giving a lot of perspective that yeah we're not used to getting yeah then so one speaking of which this is a good segue uh (laughs) let's talk about blood quantum now okay. we'll blood pull quantum. we'll pull the Why pin out of this quantum? so okay. as we as we were just discussing was there something else you wanted to say connor well i was gonna say what i got out of the first act which is just oh, the yes. only thing that i highlighted the most was hell yeah the fucking evil dead 2013 chainsaw let's go <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Oh, just cool. when Chainsaw Guy first appears and he sticks that chainsaw in the in the white woman's the head, head, I yeah. was like, all this is missing is just the blood rain from 2013's yeah. Evil Dead. I'm like, cool. this is just like, like, I obviously think Evil Dead 2013 did it better because <laughs> of the fact that like, it's a lot longer of her uh, chainsawing the, the, the demon but it was still cool just seeing seeing that of just like, like how long yeah. they did it in Blood Quantum. I'm like, so yeah, these effects was, are sick. So I know this was a Shutter original, but and I I don't I don't know how big the budget was on this, but I thought the the special effects were very very oh, yeah. good. Yeah, they were very good. Like when Trailer like kills that guy's wife at the very yeah. beginning, I was all damn. <laughs> yeah no only, and it's just like her that was head caving in <laughs> yeah. head blunt trauma <laughs> like yeah the like, only one really that was a little it. the only one that was a little questionable in my mind just because i've seen a lot of horror stuff and stuff was the the one where the the samurai guy slices the guy in the head mm-hmm. and that was the only yeah. that was the only one where i'm like that seemed a little cg but the uh, like everything else was so like like amazing that's a pretty dang sharp samurai sword. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I want one real bad. Yeah. Go okay. real bad. So, um, so talk about blood the, quantum. Yeah. <laughs> so with blood quantum, we were, we were saying that it is the measurement of Indian blood, quote unquote, in your, in your body. Um, but the thing that I find so interesting and what I really appreciate about it is the way that blood quantum is handled by the characters in the movie. Mm. So Charlie, mm-hmm. the girlfriend, is pregnant. Yeah. She is, is white. Yes, she's white. And she is terrified of this baby turning into a zombie. Mm. And when you're watching it, basically everybody that she confides in over this, you know, this anxiety is very much like that's not that's not the case like mm-hmm. like you like you will be fine like mm-hmm. this baby is going to be immune um the, it's it's nobody because one she doesn't have this conversation with any other white characters mm-hmm. she's only having this conversation with other native characters 
And so the thing that I the thing that I really like about this is that essentially blood quantum isn't real. Yeah. Like blood quantum is made up. Yeah. And and historically yeah, can you, it's can you explain more in depth about that? Yeah. So like historically blood quantum is I was about to say like how do you even measure that? How yeah, you can't it's possibly do that. It's like a descendancy thing. So they're like, okay, well, you're, so you're you both your of papers. your parents. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, quite literally, you yeah. have to show your papers. <laughs> um, like that's that's unfortunately like right on the money. Like I, my tribal ID has my blood quantum written on God, it. God, you're kidding. Like, so <laughs> it's it's just there. Um, but historically it was used to measure, it was like, so it's, let's just say as an example, your, both of your parents are a hundred percent native American. You'll be a hundred percent. One of your parents is a hundred percent. One of your parents is white. You'll be 50. One of your parents is 50. One of your parents is a hundred. You'll be 75. Right. It's just so this. What happens if you get below like 25%? Like. You know, like, is there a certain amount where you're like, oh, you're not native enough? Yes. What? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So historically, it's used to, it was used to determine how white you were, right? <laughs> and because that was, that was well, how much of a it. human, yeah. yeah, it was how much of a human being you are. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, you're, you're white enough that, you know, we can train you, essentially. That was like the mindset of the passing. U.S. government. Yeah. Well, it was like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're white enough that if we, you know, if we force you into our boarding school education, we'll, you know, you can, you can go out into the world and, you know, work for some rich white man and you'll be a quote unquote productive member of society. Right. And if you're under that, it's like, I don't know, I'll just, you're a savage. Like, so the, historically this is, this is the measurement of blood quantum in modern times. A lot of tribes still use blood quantum to measure tribal enrollment. Not all of them. Oh, a lot of, a lot of tribes have switched over to just purely descendancy like who you're like your family tree like yeah and but there's still a lot Basically where it says how, like in the medieval times a lot of people showed their nobility yeah no exactly so it's wild um <laughs> but like blood quantum will still be will still be used in a lot of tribes to measure um to to determine enrollment like you know you got to be above a certain percentage and you can be <laughs> a tribal member and if you're below that you can't um this is crazy we don't have to get too much into that but God. ultimately for but that's like the so general idea in, like the themes of the film so because because blood quantum is this concocted idea that doesn't really exist it's like you're you're either you're either tied to this like cultural heritage or you're not like it's where you where you come from your ancestors like this kid this kid is going to be native mm -hmm. there is no measurement yeah, of yeah. like mm -hmm. do, this is it's is, is the is the zombie infection measuring what 25 mm -hmm. percent ah, 
I got you. I'm like, no. <laughs> so all of the so all of the in all of the native characters are like, no, this is this is you are going to have a native child. Exactly. This is the child yeah. of another Native American. Like yeah. that is self-evident yeah. to everybody but Charlie, who does not come from the culture and does not have any understanding of how blood because quantum works. Because to her, she's going to have a white kid. Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, that's kinda, the thing. I kind of relate to that. That's the thing that I really like. Yeah. I, I, I kind of relate to that of the fact that I'm 25% Mexican. And my, my mom's side of the family, she's uh, Mexican. So my mom's my mom is 50% and then my grandma is 100%. And so like normally when I tell people I'm like I'm 24% Mexican when people look at me they're like well you're just mm-hmm. a white guy. Exactly. And then when they see yeah. my mom they're like oh she's Mexican. <laughs> and then when they saw my grandma they're like oh yeah, she's definitely Mexican. And so whenever they saw like me they're like well, that's just a white baby. <laughs> no like, like no 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 way. And so it was like I remember being in school and I remember uh another uh i don't even say a friend but like somebody that i knew in school where we were talking in track and he was like nah man like you're not even mexican he's like you gotta be 50 percent or higher (laughs) like that was their blood quantum i'm just like Mm -hmm. you gotta be 50 percent or higher in order to be like straight up mexican because like even like when i was a kid like my family and and most people that know me can trust me on that it's like i i didn't really do most like mexican things of like i didn't like tacos or tamales or most of that kind of stuff and my mom didn't really like bring that kind of stuff except for like tamales on christmas so it was just more of like like growing up in that culture like i never really experienced that so i consider myself more as you know i consider myself more as caucasian than anything but it is something of like i do think about of like being that 25 percent. like that is a significant amount of like heritage and stuff yeah yeah and i'm supposed to have like less than 10 percent, probably cherokee native blood (laughs) also but i would never attempt to identify myself to be a part of that culture because i haven't been in that culture and i think that's where it comes from it's not like what do you look like it's yeah. about yeah. where have you spent your time and, and what is your culture and and who has raised you and and those kinds of things. And all of this stuff is just arbitrary. Yeah. And made up by white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. No, like fe- like phenotypicality <laughs> is really not a measurement of uh, cultural or racial identity. Now it's been it, that phenotypicality has been weaponized mm-hmm. against yeah, minorities. Like blood quantum, like that's, yeah, but it's yes, <laughs> like it's so much more complicated than that. And that's the that's the thing that I appreciate with this movie and the way that it's handled. It's handled yeah. naturally to the characters. Like it doesn't turn. It's not like this needs to be. Um, spelled out for you like this is a movie made by native people for native people and so Mm -hmm. like when you have the when you have like this cultural context going into it or like now we're having this discussion about it it's there's there's elements of this movie that because it's written by native americans there's just 
there are there are elements and subtext to this story that just inherently gets put in because it's coming from this background in the first place coming from the culture itself yeah and yeah white people should watch it <laughs> yeah. even if you're missing those subtexts like you should expose yourself to well yeah well, well even something something like david different than yours um even something like david ehrlich put like in his letterbox review another film critic that i follow he put like as george romero first discovered and hordes of other filmmakers have since refined zombies have always have fun in executive vehicles for addressing the most uh intractable anxieties of the modern world like mm -hmm. using zombies and using horror as you know an outlet for what is the real world mm -hmm. and yeah. and like you're saying freddie of like because they're native american like they just happen to just write from like where their their world view you know yeah <laughs> and like it just works that way and it's great i loved it um the uh kisugu yeah when rest in says, peace to a real one i mean <laughs> his his last line just gutted me yeah i will uh i will not leaving, leave this land again I'm not leaving this land again yeah and i'm just like oh Oof. my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so and like this is where it, like it all ties in it's like there's it's like all of these lines of dialogue that are they're they're so simple but they're so they're, they're so, so poignant yeah um yeah. the let me let me just i have i have like a list of quotes that i wrote down here so let's just uh <laughs> uh let's see what other what other yeah, little what have we not said yet Cause yeah so we've many, gone through it's a very quotable movie a lot of them um Well, the only, not a quote, but the only thing I did write was when uh, <clears throat> uh, Bysel got uh, his dick bitten off. And I oh, thought, yeah. well, you could say, you could say he got eaten out. Because remember his, his story about how he was <laughs> just eating out a girl that he got oh, yeah. arrested because he was fighting. Was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so when he got. That he told that story and then was immediately. <laughs> immediately he got his dick bitten off. Yeah. And I'm like, he well, get his... he technically got eaten out yeah. <laughs> yeah i loved he gets his dick bitten off we will we... after that story moon says you've done it on purpose at least once 50 times by mistake <laughs> jesus <Yeah>. christ <laughs> god uh, the uh that story is pretty explicit we don't need oh, to, yeah. we don't need to get into we it have to go you too need to much watch the it. movie and and catch what they're putting down but um God. Yeah. <laughs> even um, even was speaking about Lysol, I, I put like it is crazy that like dude, yeah, I put like because I wrote, man, people really be acting crazy when it comes to the end of the world, um, especially just like Lysol's like decisions towards the end. Mm -hmm. Um and I put and I put like for real, guy gets his <laughs> gets his dick bitten off and just goes on a killing spree. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was it for him, right there. <laughs> like, like that was the straw. <laughs> I will say there is like, we won't go, to, we won't go into it. There is, you know, there is subtext that you could read into with with Lysol essentially being like sterilized. Um, that's pretty heavy, but yeah, 
That is very. It is there. That's a lot. Um, what else we got? So, but what I will say, I do like how, what like the dichotomy of Lysol and trailers um, views of this whole situation in general, like trailer is very much on the line of like helping out the white survivors that come to them is like a necessary inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Like it endangers them. However, that's the, that is like the noble. Yeah, exactly. That's like the noble thing to do is like help these people out because they need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Lysol is purely like we need to be looking out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. At what point have like any of these people's ancestors ever looked out for us? Exactly. Um, yeah. Again, not wrong. But so, and that's the thing. Like, kind of needs to chill out. <laughs> yeah, but I like that it's positioned where like neither neither one is just like blatantly told that they're incorrect obviously like Lysol starts this he is the catalyst for like the third act of the film like he gets his dick bitten off and then he (laughs) says we're just gonna let I'm just gonna let her loose in the part of this encampment where all the white people are he's like fuck it he's like he's like eat all those dicks eat all those dicks yeah (laughs) eat all those dicks um but then at the same time though it's like Lysol, he may like he is he is doing something horrible but like he it's like this is also the same woman that came into the encampment and lied about being bitten like these people were coming in and lying and they were still a threat outside of Lysol's worldview and actions it's just sort of like pushed what was more than likely an inevitability and that's even trailers uh joseph's mom and trailers ex jess wife jess uh like she even admits it when lysol storms off to go have his party um she yeah. tells him she's like leave him and trailers says yeah, why and she says because he's not wrong mm-hmm. yeah yeah like yeah and that yeah, all, everybody's opinions are justified because it's an unprecedented, unprecedented situation. Like, what do you do? What, yeah, you you have to. It's it's complex. You have to process it in your own way. <laughs> yeah, it's super. It's complex and it's multifaceted, and I appreciate that the movie doesn't treat it like it's simple. Mm-hmm. And there's like one. There, I like that they don't treat it like it's purely right and wrong, like. Yeah you know absolutely yes or no like it's got it's got a lot of layers to it it does um yeah because like my big my big note that i wrote is like the world building is interesting of like we've seen so many zombie like stories and stuff and it is interesting to see like a view where like only one type of person is immune where like again like like bringing to something like like as big as most people have seen like the last of us like where ellie is the only one immune and she's like the quote-unquote cure but like in that world like you know it's something like the walking dead or like most zombie movies where like you know everyone has like their camps and factions and things like that and it's just you know almost like mad max like type of apocalypse where 
people have like their fractions and like things but it is but it is an interesting view of blood quantum of like again like just bringing it to the indigenous people of like Mm -hmm. what their view is and and it and it does bring an interesting point of like like seeing like other minorities like maybe doing the same thing yeah of like what what that would be like with like certain like horror movies or things like that of like what that would what that bring and i was like i just love that i guess twist to like this subgenre of of films yeah it's definitely an interesting layer i think go ahead oh i was gonna say that's and that was where like when this first came out when i was explaining it to people i would tell them the premise and i would tell them this is the i would say the closest equivalent is a indigenous version of get out not directly but capturing this same sort of ideology of taking like a staple film genre ironically enough also in the horror genre and then putting this like racial lens on it it's Um, a social uh commentary commentary. yeah horror which those are those are my favorite (laughs) Are the social commentary <laughs> ones? I I, I I like having conversations about like what's relevant, like what's going on in the mm-hmm. world, like that kind of thing. So, um, it sounds like all of us are pretty high on this film. Obviously, Freddie is because it was his pick. So, I think we should get into our ratings. Yes. Of the film, and we talked last week about how we rate films. So. You're going to have to go back and listen to that episode, uh, episode two, our, our conversation about Cloverfield to get an idea of how we how we rate our our, our, our movies. Um, Seabire, why don't you go first? OK. Uh, overall, I really enjoyed this film. I think the ending was was cool. I, I thought I thought overall that this film is really great. I think there is just with Lysol specifically of like his motivations uh, were very like fast. And I wish that like, I guess for me, like they were explained a little bit more or just like there was a lot more with the subplots that were happening. But also like what Emma said at the beginning, I I do wish that there was just more of like uh, fun to, to this world. Of like like my my lacking in in the film was just more of like the the zombie killings and just more of that. So so overall, I gave it an eight out of ten, um, because I was I was wishing more for like the the gore and stuff. But everything that I got was great, and I do think our discussion is really great. But I think like I'm more leaning towards a nine on a rewatch based on our discussion. Mm. So probably by mm-hmm. like next next Halloween when I give it a rewatch, because I do think that this is a good uh, spooky October rewatch, you know, constantly rewatch it every year type of thing. Spooky so I do October think I'm more leaning cut. towards <laughs> leaning towards a nine, but right right now I give it an eight, but but it's a really high eight. Nice. Alrighty. Um, I guess I'll go next. I am very happy with this pick i liked the movie a lot i had a good time i love the meaningful aspects to it i love the perspective from uh indigenous people and i think they did a really good job with really like 
hitting home those points that they're trying to make. Um, but yeah, I kind of already got into a little bit. Some of the characters, I wanted to get a little fleshed out. Some plot lines that I felt were maybe just kind of left. Um, but I'm also at a at a 8 out of 10. A 4 out of 5 stars, which is which is good. That is a that is a that's a good rating from me. So I just um yeah. I liked it. Freddie, where are you at? Freddie I mean where do y'all think I'm at? I think, I think you're at a five. I think you're at it's a, a ten. It's a five out of five. It's a ten out of ten. It's extra. <laughs> I got the Blu-ray. If they if they released a forty dollar criterion Blu-ray, I'd buy that too. Okay. So <laughs> it's like I, I love, love this it. movie so much. This is like the seventh time I've seen this movie. Amazing. Um, has Shutter has Shutter released a Blu-ray point? Uh I think I mean, yeah. I would I think Shutter is the I don't know if they're technically the ones that printed it. I don't I does Shutter print oh, but, Blu-rays? But, there, yeah. but there is the official release for this? Yeah, there there is a Blu-ray release of it. I think um, they do that often. Yeah, I gotta pick Shutter that up. Releases their originals on Blu-ray often. Yeah. Um, the one, the one line that I did not say, Here we it's, go. it's, hear. uh, it's Lysol's last line, which oh, is, he, say? he says it's when he tells Joseph, um, he's like, let me ask you a question between brothers. And he says, you think that sick chick made it to the Muppet house by accident? Where do you think I got the idea? Mm. Which is like his, you mm, know, mm, mm him blatantly like if the if if the colonialism metaphor wasn't strong enough they really yeah. they take that last line of Lysol to like just drive <laughs> it right home that's crazy i was i i that's that's something i didn't catch on this watch they michael jordan slam dunked that shit <laughs> oh my gosh that's very cool um all right upcoming next Alrighty. week is my pick Emma's pick for spooky Ooh. October. So we have Cloverfield and we have Blood Quantum, and the final pick of our triple feature for October is John Carpenter's drumroll, please. Nineteen eighty-two classic, The Thing. The Thing. So, here's my um, here's my my thing, my thing about it. Um, I've never seen it. I've never seen seen it either. I've never seen the thing. Um, so so why did I pick this movie? Okay, why did I pick the thing if I've never seen it? God damn! Um, (laughs) my mind's blown by you two. I'm pretty pretty (laughs) sure Connor just beat the hell out of his microphone. All I heard was him go, "What?" Yeah, yeah, I, I think I did too. Is, uh, I tried, yeah, I tried to just blew all the way back. You blew it. Um, he, this is just how shocked he was at the fact that ugh. neither one of us have seen the thing. So Freddie and I have not seen the thing, but Freddie and I have had plans to go see the thing. We are going to experience. We're going to experience thing. it because it's playing at the Redford, and I want to use this opportunity oh. to plug the Redford Theater which is an amazing old theater in Detroit that basically 
is volunteer run. It's kind of like a nonprofit theater, and they play oh, like music, box. classic films, and they have really good picks. Uh, yeah. I've been to the Redbird three times this year already. I saw some like it hot. Freddie and I went to go see Seven Samurai. Yes, it was it was awesome. And then my friend Cassidy and I went to go see Vertigo. Mm. It was a good watch. Ooh. Yeah. And then, so for the rest of the year, we have um, a couple more that we're going to go to. But this Saturday, they're playing The Thing, and we're going to go see it. And we are going to talk about it next week because why did I pick this? Um, it is <laughs> on Letterboxd. It is number, I think... It's either 27 or 47 um, uh, on Letterboxd all time list, like the top rated films. And there are hundreds of thousands of films that have been made. And John Carpenter's The Thing is very highly rated. It has a 4.3 on Letterboxd, which is very high. Oh, 75. It is number 75 of all time on Letterboxd. And recently Letterboxd did a... Uh, top horror films of mm -hmm. all time. The thing was the number one. Alrighty. So I I've been excited to watch this for the first time. It's serendipity. It it has to happen. It's gonna happen for us. We're finally it gonna is, watch this, and then we're gonna talk. It about is it interesting. Next week. Yeah. It is the number one on Letterboxd, and it just so happens to be playing at a theater near us. So we well, it's just it. it's just interesting of just the fact of like it's it. I mean like. I've seen the thing, and it's great. Sure, and not I, know, to spoil I know you've seen, it. but like, <laughs> I yeah, know. like I, I do, I do <laughs> think the thing is great. But it is interesting of just because John Carpenter also did Halloween. Yeah, and we're gonna get I, into I, it I would, next yeah. week. <laughs> I would, don't I would you, think Halloween would worry. be higher, but oh, like that's that's just kind of interesting. All right, um, I know we talked a, a lot about how Detroit has no theaters, but in this case, Detroit has a few theaters that do play. They have one theme. old films <laughs> that are not they don't play new releases there's there's actually several theaters in detroit that are like the redford but we just don't have any theaters that play new releases yeah. so i'd like to retract my earlier statement about detroit <laughs> they do old movies very well but new movies very yeah. poorly yeah so we have to drive to the burbs to go see the, the new movies so um anyway that's it for our episode today check us out next week as we talk about um the thing the thing sounds good yay all right. sounds thank good. you all for listening if you uh if you made it this far we appreciate you we really really love you um and follow us on instagram triple feature pod on instagram that's where you'll get updates on what we're watching and what you need to be watching to be able to listen to the episode if you haven't seen them and yeah oh and also rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on yeah give us a five-star review if you really like it if you really don't like it just skip the review process but um <laughs> yeah, yeah just, don't... just don't even think about it but if you like it five stars yeah five stars. let us know yeah. it's where uh, you, you can find us on apple spotify audible and YouTube. I think they know how to find us because they're listening to us. 
Well, just in case you're just in case your uh, <laughs> family slash friends, if you want to share it, you know, are don't have one of those, the, the, don't have the platform you're on. You can you can hit them with the, the you can hit them with the whole list. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, and guys. I just uh, and I just the last thing, just to make sure people that aren't going to see the thing in theaters, in case you're still listening, uh, the thing is streaming on Peacock. And then it's also available to rent on Amazon, iTunes, YouTube, and Vudu. Um, Very good. And then also hit your local library right. as well. <laughs> hit your local library, hit your local video store, whatever you got to do, go see the thing. Yep. Yes. We're going to talk about it next week. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.